everything around you is just part of every other thing. And I am a tree. <laughs> Not really. My name's Dirk. And these are the songs in the key of me. Hey there, you are listening to The Needle Drop, and I'm your host, Ron Jimenez. Thank you for joining me for this very first episode. The concept is very simple. Everyone has a story, and every story needs a killer soundtrack. Each episode, I'll be joined by a guest that shares their story through a playlist of songs that they've chosen, and we'll hopefully have a fun conversation about it. So let's jump right into it. My guest today, very first guest, I'm very happy to welcome Dirk Feelgood. How you doing today, buddy? I'm very honored to be your first guest on this, your podcast. I'm I'm very honored to have you, uh, though listeners may recognize your voice from another podcast, the movie Mixtape. Uh, do you want to talk <laughs> Ron, a little bit about what Ron, that is? Ron, we don't have listeners on the movie Mixtape, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for uh, pretending like we do. Uh, so that is a podcast. Thank you for pointing that out as well. Uh, which I do with my good friend Marcy, and I feel like we can include Mikey P in the trio of mixed tapers. Mikey does all our artwork and uh, comes on the show as well from time to time. But we are a podcast about movies called the Movie Mixtape, but also run about love. Yeah, <laughs> we're a podcast that uh, we use the the spine of the mixtape that you would make uh, to friends back in the day. Well, I used to make mixtapes. I think Marcy made playlists, you know, because uh-huh. there's, there's a difference in age. But when you when you meet someone and you're getting to know them and you sort of like share some things that you're interested in, like the type of music that you're into, well, we're doing that. But we're only going to use films instead of music. And every four episodes we have a theme like uh, what was the more recent theme? Oh, geez, I can't even remember what the more recent... <laughs> it was It was Christmas gifts. Christmas... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ron. Um, and, so the, and then we used that very loose theme to each pick a movie that we love that perhaps usually the other one hasn't seen. And then we do a pick a movie together. And then we have a friend come on. So we have four episodes for each theme. And that is the movie mixtape, a podcast about love and getting to know people. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad you explained uh, the the lost art of making a mixtape. The uh, lost because art that, making... that is that is pretty much what we're what we're doing today. That's what I uh, I asked you to do. I asked you to basically make me a, a mix that kind of uh, lets lets me know who you are. How you know what what makes Dirk tick? Yeah, I I did that for you as well, didn't I? You did, yeah, yeah. I've been uh, every every day on the way to and from work. I've uh, I've, I've listened to the <laughs> the mix there. I it's when I wake up, I've got like bass lines in my head. Oh, so. I, I even oh. called it for Ron, and I sent <laughs> yeah. it to you so you know it was just personal for you. But now we're going to talk about <laughs> yeah. it, and all the millions of people are going to hear about it in TV land. All right, well let's uh, let's get into it. Um, so before we uh, we we get started, let's let's give the listeners a little. A little background on on you and your your musical journey. Where where are you from, Dirk? Wow, where are any of us from, Ron? What a really great first question. I can see that you've got a very good interviewing technique here. I'm from uh, England, Northwest England, 
specifically originally Manchester um, and then moved to Liverpool for university. So I've been blessed really to live and study and work in cities that are just, at least over here, innately connected to music. Manchester and Liverpool mm-hmm. are just massive music cities and have all had kind of scenes come out of them at various yeah. different times. Uh, I was slightly too young to be part of the Manchester sort of rave hacienda scene, sadly. But it mm. was just it was just filtering out. I don't know if that made it over to uh, the States run or not, but that was a, a big deal over here. Sort of like, do you know the film 24-Hour Party People? Have you seen that? Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That, 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 kind of, that kind of thing. And then Liverpool, obviously, very famous bands from Liverpool. Can you name one, Ron? Uh, let's see. Um, what uh, the Beat Beatles? Is that uh, that would be one? Atomic Kitten one is another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Liverpool. Yeah. I mean, gee whiz, you can't turn the corner without seeing some kind of some person trying to make money off of the Beatles these days. <laughs> yeah. um, so you know, and to, actually, you know what? I'm going to give away a little bit of personal information. I used to live just off Penny Lane. Um, Did you? Yeah. For about, That's... God, uh, 15, 16 years, we lived in a little terrace that was just off Penny Lane. So it was one of the roads connecting onto Penny Lane. And then when we left Liverpool to move somewhere else, which I'm not going to tell you where that is, Ron, because I do <laughs> not want inland revenue coming around to my house for my tax returns. Um <laughs> We got our picture taken with the sign, which was probably the first touristy thing we <laughs> did. You did, yeah. Yeah, with the Beatles just as we were leaving. Um, but they used to have to paint the sign on the wall because tourists would nick it. They'd, they'd, they'd literally nick oh. the Penny Lane street sign. And so they had to yeah, just, they started that. having to paint it, paint it on the wall. Cheeky buggers. Yeah. Isn't it funny growing up in, a place with so much, um, whether it's music history or just like, you know, history in general, um, you know, because you kind of take it for granted. Like I yeah. can identify, I, I grew up around Los Angeles and I, I never did any of that touristy stuff until I moved away. <laughs> and then now every time I go back home, it's like, oh, I kind of want to go, you know, go be a tourist a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't really know that I really appreciated, you know, I don't know that I need to, uh, I know the Beatles, like all, every house that they ever lived in is a museum now. Um, every house that like they're, they're, ex-wives and their their parents lived in her museums uh-huh. but um but still yeah there is uh, a a lot of history but like when you're growing up it's you know it's kind of just where you live um and i i guess too like i don't know about you but um it can be kind of um combative when all the tourists come and you know come come to check things out and you're just trying to make your way to work or, or whatever so sure but i was also a kind of a tourist as well because i was a student in Liverpool, mm, mm-hmm. who then later became uh, a fully fledged uh, citizen, paying <laughs> paying me council tax and various different things. <laughs> was certainly like I was almost an invader initially, and an invader from Manchester, which I don't know if you know your geography, but I mean Liverpool and Manchester. I mean we we do not get on, Ron. You know <laughs> that is a battlefield. Yeah. Um, but I must say. If if you could if you're gonna move to any city in the UK from your own Liverpool is is the choice it's it is genuinely a beautiful friendly vibrant city um, so much culture so much culture all around you D- Dirk being the tourist board right now there we go Scousers <laughs> you owe me some money 
So growing up in such a, um, a a big musical place, what's what's your earliest music memory? Uh, well, probably my dad banging on his keyboard and his organ. So my dad yeah. was a musician, albeit he was a um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not contemporary musician. So mm-hmm. he was kind of into church music, classical music. Uh, he did his okay. degree in music, and and he we used to have um, we used to have people come around the house for lessons and stuff like that. So my yeah. constant, you know, unabiding memory is being in the house as a kid and other people turning up to the house to have a go on his organ uh, and various different things. I I I, uh, I was kind of even at the time as a kid, I was very conscious that I didn't really know what music my mum and dad were into I don't remember hearing them play pop music or or, mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. along those lines I did find a best of the Beach Boys vinyl one time and insist <laughs> that they put it on <laughs> it's like what is this what is this that I found there's a lady with a bikini on it put it on let's find out what this is I think they had both volumes of best of the Beach Boys but there wasn't much of a chat about like that side of things, um, mm. really. So I was kind of left to forge my own path in a way. Mm. So did you did you play any instruments growing up, or did you sing or anything like that? We all sing, Ron, don't we? Hey, eh? <laughs> yeah, we all sing. True. Yeah, we don't need a badge. We don't need a badge to tell us that we're a singer. No, I didn't. Um, never professionally. I used to play brass instruments. So Ishmael, that mm. one's for you. Um, <laughs> But I don't know. I was never really into that when I was an older guy, and I was working. I paid for myself to get drum lessons, and that was a that was a that was a bit of a childhood dream. So I played the drums for a little bit, but not to the extent whereby I was I was confident to to be in a band or anything mm-hmm. like that. And do you know what? What I don't have any regrets in in life, Ron. But maybe I do. Maybe not being in a band is my one regret. I think that would that's that's probably the only thing I could sort of say. Oh, why didn't I just do yeah, that? I, why didn't I just do that? I mean, it's never too late. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you're never you're 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 never too old. You might be too busy, but you're yeah. never too old. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm thinking about uh, taking up the drums again. So maybe this conversation is what's going to tip me over the edge. Yeah. There you go. Thank you, Ronnie. A year's time. A year's time. I'm going to be going to be interviewing somebody else. They're going to pick a, a a song by Dirk as as one of their <laughs> well, one of their picks. Well, they'll have magical taste, won't they? Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. I can't wait to meet them. So, when if your if your parents didn't really listen to contemporary music, mm-hmm. what um what got you into it? Like, what what was the first album or or or, or whatever the single? What, yeah. what was the first thing that you oh, you God. picked out for yourself? First one I picked out for myself. Yeah. Oof. Well, so I mean, I did used to, I did obviously used to hear music mainly on the drive to my grandma's house, probably like a forty-five minute drive, and we would have the radio on. That's when I could hear the radio, and so you, I'd pick up the song from there. But probably, uh, I kind of, I feel like saying MC Hammer <laughs> or, some, <laughs> nice. or, or something like that. MC uh, Hammer. Uh, I I had the too legit to quick a single, so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think that I think that's maybe what it was. Um, that we we have a, a strong, a st- 
strong history in this country of compilation mixtapes. And like there was one mm. called Now That's What I Call Music. I don't know if you have that. Right. Yeah. In, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah so it's volume like 78. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like yeah. we'd always get the, I think for Christmas every single year we would get the latest Now That's What I Call. Mm -hmm. So then you'd get kind of the best songs, the best. See, I've done it in like invert, like air quotes there. Right. You know, but the yeah, most the, popular, the yeah. most popular songs um, of the year, and and, and so we'd, mm -hmm. we'd always kind of get that of Father Christmas. Um, but then mm -hmm. I think probably with my own sort of birthday money, what did I buy? It was maybe MC Hammer, yeah, with his pants. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's fun. So um, now that you say that, because I remember, I don't think I had any of the now that's what I call music CDs, but my I remember my sister would get them like every Christmas, and you know, I would, I would copy them. And I realized that I already knew probably half the songs on there, but there were songs, you know, like they were supposed to be the biggest hits, but there were several of them, every, you know, every volume of it that I would never have heard of. Uh, and looking into them, they would all be by European artists, like a lot of British artists, a lot of, you know, there were, there were a few of them that like I was turned on to by, oh, really? You know, by by those um by those albums that I I never probably never would have would have yeah. heard of. Yeah, I hadn't thought about those in years and years and years and now that you mentioned that I was yeah. like, oh like they were probably from the UK. That's probably why they I had I think they were I think um, they gen I think they were from they were a UK based thing. All right. Well uh should we get into your get into your song selections then? Oh let the let the dog see the rabbits. Yep. All right. Well, the uh, <laughs> the first pick that you gave us is a little track called "Runaway Train." Dirt. Soul Asylum's Runaway Train. Tell me about it. Well, maybe it's, I feel like the first choice of me songs was the one I lamented the most about. And I was wow. a bit flip-flopping between a few different things. Let me, so, and, I'll, I'll, and I'm just going to say something else. Uh, so the songs I've picked are not my top five favorite songs, but mm. they're, but they're, they're helping tell a story um of yeah my life my life in music i think is what you were sort of saying from when you were yeah. kind of pitching the idea and <laughs> soul asylum uh and specifically runaway train was the first song that i'd heard by them were um my favorite band as a really? teenager yeah and i think what i've kind of got from this sort of looking back is that when you're a kid and you're a teenager and you're in sort of high school, secondary school, you're doing a lot of like searching for your your own sort of personal identity, right? And mm -hmm. like, you know, what what are you, what do you stand for? What are your values? And I think part of it is um, selecting things that are yours and and then saying this this is me. And for whatever reason, Soul Asylum were my favorite band and. Sort of like in the 90s, that's the period that we're talking about. Uh, uh, MTV, MTV was um, on our screens and we kind of, so MTV Europe 
was on our sort of satellite system and uh, that was my exposure we we're talking before about like how did you come into certain music well actually i came into <laughs> a lot of american music a bit like you were saying how uh how you might discover british music european music from a compilation i discovered like a lot of american music through mtv so it's mtv europe which was slightly different to, to probably what you guys had over there uh-huh. and it was i was in a way lucky that in my teens there were two massive um scenes that came out there was obviously the grunge scene and then oh. there was over here Britpop. and right. I, I i almost went with a brit pop choice but what i wanted to do is say talk about how I found something that was uniquely mine. Nobody else in the school's favorite band was Soul Asylum, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that, so it kind of became a bit of a, 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 a you know, a, a defining character point. They're my favorite band. Oh, have you not heard of them? Pushing your glasses right. up on your nose and that sort of thing. <laughs> Absolutely. And then it was, at, but it was at a time when you really just had to roll a dice when you were when you were getting your music because you've heard a song on the radio or you've seen a song on on MTV. But there ain't no like Spotify, is there? And um, mm-hmm. there's nothing like that. And then when you go into um, a HMV or or whatever you would have in America, I don't know what Tower Records. I don't know. Pulled it out. Yeah, pulled yeah, it, it would have been back. Tower Records in the '90s. Now, pulled... now, well, I mean, I don't even know where you would buy a record today, but well, for bet, the longest time, know. it would have been Best Buy. But you know, now it's just what Amazon, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you see, so you would just you'd hear. Well, I would. This is my. This was my technique. I'd hear one song that I liked. And then I'd get 15 quid of me money that I got from stacking shells in the supermarket on the weekend. And I'd buy yeah. I'd buy an album um, and absolutely just hope that it was good. And, and what I found with Soul Asylum was something I really connected was the, the, them lyrically, that I really, they were storytellers and they weren't mm-hmm. necessarily um, always stories about falling in love. They were stories about all sorts of things. And with... Um, Britpop as well. Uh, my favorite bands, Pulp and probably Blur, they oh. were the same. You know, I think I was really into the idea of of hearing people talk about their stories and their characters. Which we were, we were chatting a little bit before we came on about one of my other loves, which is professional wrestling, and that's the same thing. I think at that time in my life, it was all about hitting with narratives and rather mm-hmm. than beats. It wasn't so much like this is great for dancing or this is relaxing me it was i oh, i love what they're saying here i love that uh, lyrically i love the I- imagery and uh, you know all those sorts of things that you that as a 14 15 year old you think you're pretty smart about but that, <laughs> i think that's what grabbed me about soul asylum i mean do you like do you, what what do you think about this song ron so i when when you sent me your your list um i told you there was a couple songs that I was familiar with. There was a couple songs that I weren't, but there was one in particular that I have a very long history with, and that is this this song. I knew it was going to be a, this one. Yeah, I have a very vivid memory of you know when when I was a kid. I think I was about eleven or twelve when the song came out, and I um, my parents used to have MTV on in the mornings when they were getting ready for work, and my sister and I were getting ready for school. And uh, are are you familiar with the video for this song? Oh yeah, because it was uh yeah it, the it was um, at the time it came out it was a very uh, very striking uh, video. I think it may have even won you know the yeah. whatever the MTV you know awards were at the time. Um, right. 
and um, I'll, I'll put I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But um, basically, what it was is um, the the song itself is about uh, Dave Perner's struggle with with mental illness and you know depression and and, and things like that, and um, trying to get through that. But the video is uh, a bunch of cuts of missing missing youth, um, and uh, when they put out the video. Uh, whatever the regional um what whatever region it was the the images of the kids that were missing yeah. was different so like i know like in the uk you know you had you know yeah your kids that were missing uh me i grew up on the west coast but if i would have uh seen the video in like new jersey or something it would have been completely different and that one that was like you know totally innovative but um as a kid seeing that 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 struck me um because you know here i was sitting you know like i was in my warm home getting getting ready for school and everything mm-hmm. um and thinking about these kids that were you know that were gone and i i realized when you put it on this this list that this song has kind of stuck with me for for a long time and mm-hmm. i didn't really didn't really connect those dots um we were speaking before that um in in my job i interact with with homeless people a lot um and uh, and people with with mental illness a lot um, and I almost wonder if I, I tend to be sensitive to people like that, partially because of, you know, experiencing that, that song in that way at such a young mm. age. Um, and yeah, it's just over the years, it's something I, there are dozens and dozens of times that I would sit on the edge of my bed with my guitar strumming along to this song. Beautiful. Um, wow. And, uh, and, and likewise, just the rest of Soul Asa. I, uh, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. And mm-hmm. uh, Dave Perner has um, done the music for a number of his uh, movies. Their um, their song "Can't Even Tell" is the theme song for for the Clerks film. So mm-hmm. yeah, soul, I'm 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 a big Soul Asylum guy. I like them a lot. Look at us making making it happen right now. Making right? it happen, That's, eh? Uh, yeah. Soul Asylum. Soul Asylum. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the. I think you the video absolutely so just hit when you see that the first time you're suddenly paying very close attention and then um I think just diving into into the albums they're all really intricate and and a lot of smart uh clever these structured songs uh and I was really I was into them for a long time I found a um a vinyl of theirs in a in a record shop one time randomly searching through about 10 years ago and I couldn't believe my look I could not believe oh. my look I think um, their sec- the, the album after this one um, so this is what let your this was let your dim light shine no but this was Grave Dancers Union this and then Grave, the next yeah, Grave Dancers. Yeah, and then the next one was let your dim light shine and I think that was maybe my favourite album and I was well mm. into that but this is their first this is the first song that I, I made the connection with oh, and I think they won like cool. they did win like was it best rock song or something at your American yes, awards or yeah. stuff? Yeah, some like that. Yeah, uh-huh. they're, yeah, they're they're pretty big over here. That's I wasn't sure how big they, they were, so that's oh, was, they're not big um, over here. No, so that's yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's a bit like to me, they're um, they're niche, they're not mainstream. Mm. But then I was kind of looking up on um, all these songs on like Spotify to see how many streams have had, and this one has had oh by far the most amount of streams out i think more streams than all the other songs combined which is probably not difficult mm-hmm. but like 250 million or something like that oh my goodness yeah this one's still like um i mean so i i doubt today that many people 
younger than us would recognize the name, but this, this is a song that comes on on the radio or, I mean, even the supermarket or whatever fairly frequently. So, yeah. You know, yeah. But um, talking about other songs that maybe aren't so familiar with, one big surprise uh, on your playlist was uh, a song called I'm a Tree. I'm a Tree by uh, Imani Coppola. Why don't you tell me about your journey with that song? Yeah, so these are going in chronological order, Ron, okay? So Mm. sit down, put your seatbelt on. This is stage two um, of (laughs) my life. This is to symbolize the opposite of what I said before, whereas the first song was really about trying to find a personal identity that you could put a flag in the ground and say, this is me. Amani Coppola was somebody that I discovered when I went to university and through a friend who would play this album on repeat, 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 repeat and this song in particular because she would just very merrily tell everybody she was a tree Um, and I think something that's very important to me which I think I would talk a bit more about later on is to be flexible and to not just be rigid with what I hold to be true. So I arrived at university very much an indie music guy. You know, oh. I like, you know, um, like I said, uh, American grunge music, I like Brit pop, I like Brit, British bands with guitars. Uh, and one of the things you do at university when I when we when I went in the sort of the late nineties, you you turned up with all your music and it was physical, and you had to mm-hmm. lug it. You had to lug it into <laughs> yeah. your room, and then you would I dis- remember. you would display it mm-hmm. like your peacock feathers. Yeah, you know, you get a you get your CD stand, and then you you'd put on so everybody could read what it was when they came in the room, mm-hmm. uh, and that was the first thing you did when you went in someone else's room. Was you would go oh. over to their music to see what music they had, yeah. Oh, and and it was the first time being at university was the first time ever I'd met other people who had a Weezer's Blue album, and you nice. know I was like, and like literally <laughs> everybody had it. I like nobody oh. had it when I was you know where I was from, um, and there was um, for some reason like the, the fun loving criminals I don't know if they were a thing for, yeah, yeah. fun loving criminals like yeah. loads of people had fun loving criminals mm-hmm. uh, and then there was this um, this aspect whereby so Imani Coppola I don't know how you define the music it is, it is poppy it's a bit hip hop mm-hmm. she's um, I think she's a violinist who, who plays violin yeah. as well and she raps along to her songs and there's an energy about it and I, and I I would say that I was very against the idea of anything that was remotely dance music mm-hmm. or um something 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 along these lines and so exposing going to university was all about personal growth and especially with that with music and so I think at university bands like Massive Attack um, nice. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of other ones. Uh, Massive Attack, yeah. Groove Armada. You might not know Groove Armada. But they're, that one they're, I'm not familiar with, no. Yeah, so they're, they're like a dance dance act. And just like stuff that... I used to think like a remix was such a bad idea. Like why would you take... <laughs> why, would you, why would you take the original song and make it sound worse? And then <laughs> you're like, no, wait, wait. Dancing, dancing is life, right? Uh-huh. And if you if you could turn some of these songs into like incredible dance hits, then that is a joy in of itself. So just uh-huh. opening myself up, and whereas like I sort of said, yeah, initially Soul Asylum was about finding who I was. This was also then about finding out who other people were, were um, and also um, taking the best bits, taking the best bits and the things that you really liked, and trying to smudge them into you just ever so ever so slightly. So that you could be a little bit more open with the world and enjoy a few more things. So you listen to it, right? Then, yeah. So, um, I don't think I had ever heard the song, but there was something very familiar about it, and I couldn't peg what it was. Um, so I did. I I try not to um, over prepare uh, for for the the talk because I wanted it more to be about how you relate to the songs rather than just you know trivia. But um, I did. Was like, okay, who is this person? And this song is from an album called Chupacabra, which I remember Correct. very vividly when it came out because I'm I'm Mexican American. Uh-huh. Chupacabras are mythological Mexican creatures, um, and I remember noting that when it came out, I was like, okay, I've heard of this before. Who is this person? On the same album, uh, there's a song called I believe it's called Legend of a Cowboy um, or Cowgirl, yeah. something yeah, cowgirl. like that. Cowgirl. Um, and I was like, huh. And so I. I pressed play on the music video for it instantly. I was like, oh, that's this song. That that <laughs> song was on every every Saturday morning on VH1's top 20 music video countdowns nice. for a year uh, when I was in middle school or whenever it was. Like, okay, that's mm-hmm. where I recognize this from. Yeah. But, uh, and, and it's funny because this particular song, I hadn't, to the best of my knowledge, I hadn't heard before, but you sent it to me, and lo and behold, three days later, I'm watching uh, the movie Superstar from 1999 with Molly Shannon and Will Ferrell, and in the background of one of the scenes, no. what is playing? No. I'm a tree. No. Funny <laughs> Coppola. Yeah, I was like, oh, no way. So, yeah, I, I wonder if it's just one of those things that it's been around and I just haven't taken notice of it. I do not believe you, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is the power of coincidence working right now. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, right. I actually haven't listened to it for a little for for a little while, but she's always there in the back of my mind, Imani Coppola, as mm-hmm. as when I when I think about pushing your pushing your limits a little bit. Not that there's anything crackers about this song. It's just a real good mm-hmm. pop song, and I think um, yeah. that's part of it. It's like going, you were just being you were just being ignorant before thinking wow. that none of this was any good it's really good we me and you ron we're um you know we know each other a little bit don't we and we're in um a little a bit mus- yeah we're, we're in a, a something called a music league where don't be modest you've been the champion of that thank you <laughs> that i wasn't league before. i wasn't i wasn't gonna bring it up but with the music league you submit songs and part of it is you can go you know full well with based on the theme a song you could submit that is going to get you points it's easy uh-huh. You can play that uh-huh. game. Or what you can do is to submit something that maybe somebody else will suddenly go, oh, that was really nice. 
right. I've not heard that before. And that is that is the bloody joy that we're talking about well, right now, isn't it? I think yeah. that was the joy I was opened up to was, who is this? Who is this? It's all right, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's all right. All your other music I thought was rubbish, but maybe it's not rubbish now. If, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's it. You sort of lower your barriers and recognize you were probably wrong before. And if you were wrong before, you're probably wrong about quite a few things. So let's just all sit down and, and take everything um, on a one-to-one basis, I think. Nicely put. Nicely put. <laughs> I remember getting, I actually remember getting a mixtape in first year university from some friends. Uh, like that exactly like, and I've used this ex- story, I think, on, on our podcast as like, I always think about this. Somebody took the time and we weren't, she wasn't like my girlfriend or anything. We were just like friends and she didn't need uh-huh. to make me a bloody mixtape. And she made made me a mixtape. And on it was stuff like um, the Power Rangers theme and yes. the Laughing Gnome by David Bowie. So uh-huh. like like lots of fun stuff. And then she'd like slam on something like, um, there was a song called Broken English by Sunscreen. dance song that i would have stayed you know not touched with a with a large barge pole before mm-hmm. so somebody's made it for you and said i like this do you want to listen yeah. and I, I think that's something i want to keep hold of and just that feeling of of being able to share and stuff i think that's just beautiful i think that's beautiful yeah that's actually like i was thinking before like kind of the whole point of this is you know there's I I was like the king of mixtapes in my high school. Nice. And I think the the thing if if you know how to make it right, you do two things. You introduce somebody to stuff that they wouldn't normally gravitate towards. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And maybe also you put stuff that they are marginally familiar with or even like you know, maybe you don't don't know that they love but you love it. And mm-hmm. when there's that connection of two people that love the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. it's kind of like when, you know, you were saying, okay, like, you know, you were basically the only person that knew who Soul Asylum was at your school. Mm-hmm. But if you were wearing a Soul Asylum t-shirt and you were like across a, I don't know, a, <laughs> a club or whatever from yeah, someone yeah. else wearing a Soul Asylum shirt, you knew that they were your people. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, those, yeah, those connections, those introductions, you know, like that's, I think that's, that's the beauty of, of, of a mixtape really. Oh, yeah, and it's it still happens today. Like it's still probably like me and Marcy as an example. Marcy, the the co-host of uh, the Movie Mixtape podcast, that was like the first few things we were talking about when we got to know each uh-huh. other in the in the Discord that we're all members of. Like what what music it was, and and she would share stuff with me, and I'd share stuff with her, and that's almost like part of um, how we ended up with a podcast called the Movie Mixtape uh-huh. was because it was such a big part of our developing friendship. How soon into that developing friendship did you mention yeah, yeah, yes? (laughs) I don't know.
I don't know, Ron. I find it very difficult to not mention the yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, that, <laughs> if there was one artist I was expecting to see on on this playlist, it was it was Karen O. Oh, and, Karen. Uh, and yeah, yeah, yes. So with uh, with with Gold Lion, tell me about uh-huh. what Gold Lion means to you. Oh, Karen. Uh, so this is very much about falling in love, Ron. Falling in love with your life partner, your music life partner. So where is Soul Asylum? Were favorite band as as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeahs will be my favorite band until I die. Now I absolutely and uh the first Gold Lion again. I picked that because it was the first song I'd heard of theirs. I hadn't I hadn't <laughs> really clocked um, Fever to Tell, which was the the album bef- before. Um, and then I was driving home from work, and the radio DJ I was listening to probably a, a, a so we have the BBC radio stations over here, so uh-huh. uh, they're national radio stations, they're not regional, and they play. I was probably listening to Radio One because I was a because that's I was a young person at the time. I can't listen to Radio One now because I'm not young; it's not allowed. But they <laughs> they. They probably had this on, not their mainstream shows, but in an evening show. And I was driving home from uh-huh. work and it came on. And I was like, who the bloody hell is this? Uh-huh. And it just did everything that I loved. So, I don't know, female vocalist, kind of dirty guitar and yeah. drums, a raw, like a kind of a raw energy to it. I didn't really know what they were talking about. Gold Line, uh-huh. I didn't really know what that was. I still don't really know what this song <laughs> is about and and I think there is magic in the yeah yeah yes in that whereas I was talking about my love of people who tell stories they're not they're not a linear band they're a they're a very um image heavy and their and their lyrics are you know snapshots of of a bigger picture that lets you kind of I love the other thing I love is is kind of comic books and there's a lot of filling in the blanks in comic books and using your own sort of ideas and and i think the yeah yeah yeahs are a bit like that they're messy you know they're mm-hmm. not they're they're not uh, i don't know that you could take each album one at a time and they sound quite different to, to yeah. each other and, and you can tell things like i don't know mosquito which is probably their least beloved album is a direct response to probably what they felt was uh, a slightly uh, sanitized album in it splits which was still very which was great but you could tell they were just like oh let's just do stupid songs about aliens and and you know mm-hmm. and, and i love that and and karen O is my rock star everything that you could want in a rock star she has a voice that is equal parts fragile and vulnerable and equal parts a nuclear weapon uh oh. she can sell she could sell anything to me she could see there's um there was a song on their their latest album which is just kind of her speaking a very what could be a pretentious little song about something a kid said <laughs> and it's and it's so beautiful and she's just got she's <laughs> she's just um there's no is she's not pretentious she is absolutely 100% believable i will i have every faith that she will never let me down i think mm-hmm. and i think that's maybe something that's true with um my favorite sort of 
musicians so like David Bowie and a guy called Jarvis Cocker, who's the lead singer of, of Pulp. They just, I, I believe them. I believe their character. And uh-huh. and I think there's a lot of that in, in Karen O. I believe she is exactly who she presents herself to be. Um, and she's she's 100% legit and a rock star. Yeah, she's um, she's got a certain amount of magnetism yes. to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I I actually very vividly remember the first time um, I was introduced to to Yaya Yaz because um, I I was living with my grandparents at the time. I had just gotten out of high school, and on Monday nights they would go out to dinner, and I would sit in the living room in the evening and watch MTV and you know heat up hot pockets or whatever. Uh-huh. And I remember the music video for Maps coming on. Oh. And that the, the the drum beat and the guitar, it was different than everything else that was uh, going on. And then she starts singing, uh, and um, and yeah, there's there's a there's a ragged quality to them. It's not uh, it's not sloppy per se, no. Um, but it's it, you know it can be sloppy. But I also yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. But it's um uh yeah, just. I, I was like, I don't know who this is, but I but they're they're gonna be big. And yeah. um and when um when Show Your Bones came out, the album that, that this was the lead single on, you know, yeah, I, I hopped on that. Uh-huh. Um I, yeah, pretty yeah, I remember going to to pick it up from the store. Like they they were one of those and you're right. They kinda came out at a time when um you know, like the strokes and the hives and yeah. and bands like bands like that were were big. And I, I dig all those bands too, but the fact that one, the fact that um, you know, it, it, it was fronted by by Karen. Uh-huh. Um, the the female vocalist aspect of it definitely set them apart, but also the instrumentation because it's basically just her and then a dude with a guitar and a dude with drums, uh-huh. um, kind of going nuts. Uh, <laughs> there there wasn't it's it's not the typical rhythm section, um, and uh, they they definitely use that to their advantage. They experiment with that rather yeah. than you know. I, I think a lot of people would say, oh, well, you need a bassist, you need you know like another guitarist, um, but. Uh, the, for them, there's nothing missing. They use that to experiment with with the sounds that they're making and make uh-huh. it their own. It feels like they're not afraid to fail. Mm. I, I really feel there's a, there's an honesty to that that they're making music that they want to make in that in that moment. And and all right, they might look back on it at some point and go, oh, maybe that's not my favorite. But at the time, that was what they wanted to do, and they weren't, I don't know, being pushed one way or or another. That's how it feels. That's how it feels to me, anyway. I, um, she just—I um, don't know. I'm never far from the AAS. Like, you know, at any moment in my day, I could be seconds away from listening to a AAS <laughs> song, and I, I might go, I might go, I might go months, I might go months, run without mm-hmm. listening to them. But then I might suddenly decide Mosquito is the most misunderstood album of whatever <laughs> the, the, the 2000s i don't know uh, and their latest one is real good have you heard the latest album um uh, no I, I haven't checked it out yet cool it down it's 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 we talked about them keeping it simple they've gone they've got a bit of strings in this one so it's a little bit flamboyant uh-huh. but it's good i recommend it i think i've tried to i've tried to um get my wife kate to, into the yeah yeah yeah's a bit but you've got to kind of You've got to pick your song. So she, my wife's <laughs> not into guitars, and she's not really into to that side of things. She's she's a real kind of dance queen, like likes to dance music. Um, okay. And then um, 
I took her to one of the took her to a, a gig one time, and she I just like for some reason I do always forget that a yeah yeah yeah's gig is gonna be absolute chaos, and I just think <laughs> I just think everybody's gonna be just standing in awe of uh-huh. of Karen and uh, the boys doing their stuff. But no, a lot of people go crackers and and jump around and 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 my wife does not like that so it's not always it's not always gone well but there are uh-huh. some songs like um so to, to bring it back to more recent i was at a wedding uh-huh. yesterday i was sat there waiting for the, the the actual ceremony to start feeling a bit hot in my suit we're all hemmed in together I'd had to go out on a works do the night before and I probably was a little bit, a tiny bit hungover from that. And so I was just waiting for things to get started, a little bit kind of restless in my seat. And then, oh my goodness, out of nowhere, flipping yeah, yeah, yeah's comes on. Yeah. It's, it's nice. hyster- hysteric. She walks down the aisle to hysteric, and I'm crying, and I'm just like <laughs> in tears at the the immaculateness of of that song and how that is one of the any any and I reflected that was one of the ones that Kate does like, and I'd shared that with Kate and said I think you'll like this one, and she does like that, and she likes you know she likes Karen, but she just doesn't like being nearly killed at concerts. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's just the fact that. I was taken by surprise and didn't expect it to come on. And in that moment when I was just felt like slightly grumpy, it just flipped 100% flipped. And then for the rest of the day, I was all full of the joys of, of being in love and um, just spending time with friends and, and, and family. It's just, it, it, it really cemented. I knew we were going to talk today. And it just really cemented everything, everything for me about nice. the yeah, yeah, yes. Puts you in a good mood. Puts me in a good mood. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. And the final thing about the yeah, yeah, yes is that they will forever be part of Dirk Feelgood because they were my favorite entrance music that I used from Show Your Bones, Phenomena. Um, and I had that with me for a long time, a long time. Yeah. Maybe we come out of retirement and have them perform it live. Yeah, they did a little. They used to do a cupboard, a cupboard concerts. I think they called them in lockdown on Instagram. Like Karen would mm-hmm. just be singing in her cupboard, and she'd have like Nick Zinner on um, a laptop just in front of mm-hmm. her, like playing the guitar, and maybe Brian Chase was sometimes on another laptop or something like that. And they did phenomena, and I was like, oh yes, thank you, Karen. Thank you for the, <laughs> thank you for this blessing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. This is obviously you know your is is Dirk's band. Um, and they're a band My that band. Uh, I'm very familiar with, but someone that I had never heard of is uh, Katie, Daisy, and 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 Lewis, and their cover of "Going Up the Country." I'm going up the country, babe. Don't you wanna go? 
What I can tell you is it's Kitty, Daisy, and Lewis. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Can't read my you own handwriting. Just li- <laughs> it, is, it is on the piece of paper. <laughs> so um, I just talked about my life before and <laughs> how sometimes we, we've struggled to find, well, some. you know, I try to get her to, into the band that I love and she's not necessarily felt it. So with me, me and my wife, um, I've said it on on our podcast, but she's a jock, um, I'm a mm. nerd, and <laughs> there wasn't a lot of cultural um, stamps that were the same when we got together. Wow. We 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 one thing we always liked to do was we always liked to to dance. We always would go out and we we would dance, and we had a lot of fun together. And we have the same sort of value system and 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 outlook on life. But when it came to like spending time together in an evening, probably one of us would always pick something and the other one would groan slightly and go, oh, fine, whatever, you know? <laughs> or um, we'd go on, whenever we'd, we'd go on holiday and she'd be like, do you want to play, want to play a bit of table tennis? And I'd be like, oh, jeez. Because I just know for a fact she's going to whoop me. And it's just oh. embarrassing, you know? She's just so naturally talented at, at sport. But um, music, there wasn't, I don't even think there was anything that when we first got together that that we shared uh, so kitty daisy lewis were a band um that we saw on the way to the yeah 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 so my wife's from london i'm from um the northwest so we were down in london to do something called the camden crawl which was a music concert probably a little bit like south by southwest in that it was small okay. venues and bands doing it but not like south by southwest in that nobody was trying to sell a netflix tv show or, or, <laughs> or, or something like that it was just music and it oh. was going to culminate in us going to go see the yeah yeah yeahs uh play um uh, i think it was a roundhouse venue in in london but so we just had to pick some bands to go and see during the day in different places and i'd heard kitty daisy lewis on a radio show so a new I kind of knew what they were that that what they would sound like, and I thought, well, you know, maybe Kate might like them because uh, it's. Uh-huh. I don't know how would you describe this song. It's a kind of a. It is a cover, as you pointed out, uh-huh. uh, but it's a kind of like um, bluesy. Yeah, is it's it? very yeah it, it, yeah it's very bluesy. It's got a it's got a got a got a, a boogie to it. Mm-hmm. So we turn up at this pub. Basically, it's a pub. And on stage stands Kitty Daisy Lewis, who I kid you not, Ron, were about 15, 16, 17 years <laughs> old. And behind them was who, a man who I presume is their dad, because they're all related. Kitty Daisy Lewis, a uh, brother and two sisters. Uh, mm. Their dad is on the stage playing a double bass, and their mum is somewhere in the background playing something else. I can't remember exactly what she was playing. And then they just go for it. Um, um, and I mean, they go for it. And I think there's just something so magical about live music that when you just see mm-hmm. people doing it and doing it well, and are just so into it, you just you are swept up, and 
every nothing else matters. Like kind of, I have been to see Ed Sheeran at my wife's behest, and I was into Ed Sheeran <laughs> doing his thing. You know, he was <laughs> doing his thing, and he was having a good time. And I'm like, I'm having a good time now. Thank you, Ed. I will not listen to your music when I go home. But I mean, <laughs> I am having a good time right now. And I think what Kitty Daisy Lewis does for me is it is it reminds me and it sh- and it helped me and my wife make musical connections together. This yeah. was a band we discovered together. This is a band that we can both enjoy and both recommend to people. And it was just like the 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 fire in their bellies this band had oh. for being such young kids. And they would just swap musical instruments the whole way through. So one person would That's sing cool. one song and then the next song would be sang by someone else and somebody would be playing um organ on one song, somebody be and then they'd get up and play the guitar in the next and they were just like doing everything. And it came to the point where they had to finish. And for the lead one of them, I call her the lead singer, I, one of the girls goes, they've told us that we have to stop playing now. But our songs are only two fucking minutes long, so fuck them. And they just kept going and like, <laughs> and I'm just like, your dad is stood behind you. Uh-huh. And they basically, it was like that they had to have their plugs taken out of the socket uh-huh. and told told to leave the stage. And I just was was entranced by them and the performance. I mean, the whole album, the, the Kitty Daisy Lewis, first, the album that this is from, I think is essentially all covers. So they they do do their own sort of music on 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 different albums. But it was just more about making a connection with my wife and finding stuff that we could share. And then since then, we've we've found lots of bands that we've liked together. And I've, you know, found bands through her. Well, kind of, she was a very early adopter of like Florence and the Machine. And it's okay, probably, yeah. not, probably not somebody I would have listened to right from the get-go. But then I had that first album on repeat for, for uh-huh. months. Um, and and I think it's just as well the importance of live music and mm-hmm. how um, is is music the most important thing we have? Hard to say. But when you're in a room full of people all enjoying the same thing, it's hard mm-hmm. to argue that that hasn't made love a little bit stronger. You know, for those ninety minutes, or or what have you, and and coming back, coming back to the wedding I was at yesterday, so it was an indie disco. We're, we're having a good time, but it starts off with a few kind of gentle tunes to get people up on the dance floor, like aunt, you know aunts and grandparents, and I think it was you know B fifty twos, Love Shack, and then there was Let's okay, Dance yeah. by David Bowie, <laughs> uh, and I'm looking around the the room and everybody's having a nice time and there's a kid must be about 15 14 he stood on the side of the dance floor and he's got these big massive headphones and he's got them around his neck um so he's obviously been listening to something but the music started now so he's come over to see what it is he's not danced to the b52's love shack he's not danced Uh to let's dance um but then madonna like a prayer comes on
and I <laughs> oh, see, really like a prayer. <laughs> and I see his feet start to go, and he starts <laughs> to tap his feet, and everybody's singing along with the the gospel choir. And then he hits the dance floor and he starts having a dance like with who I presumed was his mum and his dad. And I'm just like, yes, that is it. You know, that's not even like a band playing live. That is a recording. Right. But we're all sharing it together. Um, and, and how how monumentally fun that is and how important that is to um, to just to just for your soul to be around other people enjoying the same thing that you're enjoying. Just major props to that DJ for playing like a prayer of all Madonna songs at a wedding reception. That is that that's oh, not yeah. something that I would expect to hear at a wedding reception. <laughs> there <laughs> were a few songs that you probably wouldn't normally expect to hear at a wedding reception, but it was like I said, the bride had come down to hysteric. So mm. I think all bets were off on, on anything on the goes. Music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, thank you for introducing me to uh, to Kitty, Daisy Kitty. Lewis, because um, yeah, I, I like I said, I I wasn't familiar with him. I was familiar with the song, um, the uh, uh, going up the country. You know, like I said, it's an old blues song, and um, a band called Canned Heat uh, had a, a a hit with it uh. back in the '60s. But for at least us in the states, are familiar with it because a few years back it was heavily used in um, in an advertisement for uh, I think a. It was either car insurance or a car commercial or a oh, uh, really? auto, you know, something like that. Yeah, but yeah, it was the that version of the song was everywhere. So when I heard this version of it, though, the one thing about this one is I did not realize that it was a newer recording. Like mm. I would have figured it was something that was you know because um, the vibe of it is is you know like older, you know, like it's an older yeah. blues song and it definitely fits um, the recording of it fits that that style, okay. especially that harmonica solo. Talk to me about harmonicas, Ron. Talk to me. I, I mean, we would. I was. I was saying. I wish I played the drums before, but the harmonica is the only other instrument I wish I'd played. I love a I really. Flipping, I flipping love a harmonica. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big organ. harmonica guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. Well, let's let's take this home with uh, another song that I wasn't uh, familiar with before, but um, I was looking at this as like this is the soundtrack to Dirk's life. And Correct. I didn't know anything about uh, why you selected any of these songs. So in my head, listening to each of these, I'm kind of piecing them together and trying to figure, like, okay, like, what does the the, the scene look like that this song is playing during? Wow. And um, my favorite types of songs uh, are songs that I refer to as credit songs because they're the songs that I picture could either open a movie or, or close a movie. And <laughs> this is definitely... Um, what I consider a credit song. You made my day before it started I thought of you till dawn I wake up feeling broken hearted Started when you'd gone I read your message On the bus Don and Anna by Alan Mouse. So where where does this fit in in Dirk's mm-hmm. story? Where where did you think it fit in? What were you what were your thoughts? What were you thinking? I, I totally imagine like whatever trials and stuff you go through. At the end of the day, you 
sit down in your living room or or whatever with your with your wife and kids, flip on the TV and kind of just exhale. And this is what plays as as, as the credits <laughs> roll and it fades to black. Like this, this yeah. feels like a mm-hmm. you know, like a the day is done you know mm. kind of song to me. Mm. Mm. So you tell, tell tell me not, how close I am to the mark. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not you're not far, but it's a little bit it's a little bit more specific. So uh-huh. Don and Anna, as far as I know, it is the best song ever in vaguely about the TV show Mad Men. Uh, Mad Men, <laughs> um, and it describes a love, not a, a romantic love, but a love. Um, of absolute trust and friendship and companionship and um, I heard this song so it came out 2014 and I think if I'm remembering right so it's again it's another one I heard on the radio off a, a late night show so it's not on the mainstream um, drive time early morning breakfast that sort of thing it's, it's on the latest uh-huh. shows um, and I think it was just a part of part of it was was happenstance that it was around the time my first child was was being born mm. and we'd had a difficult road to to get to betsy who's a to to her arriving in the world and um the pregnancy was not the most fun pregnancy for mm. many different reasons and me and kate um were not we wouldn't we were not kind of super optimistic because you know, I don't know, it it'd always been difficult, and and we we were refusing at this point to let ourselves be hopeful um, uh-huh. that we would um, that that things would work out okay, but then they did work out okay, and I I don't know if I, I got I had this song in my head, and I don't know I'm, I've got to do my best here <laughs> to not cry on this one, Rob, but um, there's some specific lyrics. Um, that I think it's uh, you made the aching go away you made the solitude okay and that's kind of became a little bit of a a lullaby that I would sing wow. to to Betsy when she was a baby to help well I say to help her get to sleep it, nothing helped Betsy get to sleep but I would try <laughs> my best and this so there was this and there was a, a story a poem I guess by uh, Neil Gaiman wrote that was a book the blueberry girl that and i would recite mm. the blueberry girl poem and i would sing this song and i think it's a perfect lullaby uh in many ways it's just a ukulele as far as i can tell uh i was kind of semi-tricked into listening to it because they sold it was from it was members of a of a band i liked called Ello darling um oh. which it isn't it kind of is and it kind of isn't um they kind of have some members of the Bandello Darling would play occasionally on Owl and Mouse songs, but I think it's it's actually two sisters who are who are doing this track, who are separate. Um, I think they're from New Zealand or Australia, something like that. But I was just, I don't know, it breaks my heart really. This song, for one reason or another, and um, we now have two children. I have oh. Iris, who is two, and I and I have sung this song to my. To my two-year-old tonight, I sing it to her whenever <laughs> I put her to bed, um, because anything that works, Ron, <laughs> just whatever will get oh. the kids to sleep. But this is this is my little lullaby to the kids, 
And I kind of have included it here because as well, I feel like now my um, my music journey, I started again. And oh. I talked before about wanting to be flexible and not and not not stuck in my ways. I don't want to be one of those, you know, middle aged guys who, you know, what's this rap music? You know, one of those, uh-huh. you know, like oh my god, just like <laughs> I, I I wanna I wanna be able to share stuff with my kids that maybe I don't necessarily get the first time. Um, but I want to be prepared and open and to be able to sit and listen and share things with them. And so it's kind of also like a little nod to that and that this is the song I would sing to my kids, but also about um, seeing their journey. And there's a band called The uh, Staves, The Staves, that um, equally I could have picked from them because there's a, there's some beautiful harmonies in their songs that I used as lullabies uh, for Betsy. But this is the one I sing. This is the one I personally sing. If you... Uh, and music... Betsy knows music is very important to me. Um, very. And she, she, one time she came back from school and she said, somebody dad at school was saying, what would you rather if you were stuck on a desert island? Would you rather have all the TV in the world or all the music in the world? I said music, dad. Can you believe some people didn't? And I was like, oh... <laughs> Good on your vets, good on your vets. And if you'd asked her, say four years old, what are the best songs in the world, she would have told you Back in Black by ACDC and Milkshake nice. by Khalees. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the that is the opinion of a four year old. Now she's into um Taylor Swift and Katy Perry oh. uh and random dolls that seem to sing on YouTube. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping my mind open and there's probably the ones that we share we both like wet leg and we listen to wet leg together and she likes phoebe bridges although she doesn't quite know phoebe who she phoebe bridges is but she likes phoebe some phoebe bridges songs um so yeah it's just lovely just i don't know sharing stuff like that and feeling like a privilege a real privilege to be around somebody who is i don't know finding their own thing you know yeah, I think it's one of them things that you never want to, sadly, which is probably a self-fulfilling prophecy, you never want to parent the way that you were parented. And I think mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe that's just me. And I don't mean uh, that as a slight to my parents at all, but I think what you what you recognize, what I recognize is I wish there'd been more music around. Mm-hmm. And I wish it had been okay to like whatever I liked or you know and and, and I wish I could have shared that because I still can't tell you Ron what what music my my mum and dad <laughs> would like and I find that a little bit bizarre that I don't know that about them when I live with them for such a long period of time <laughs> and know them really regularly um, so I think it's a bit of a conscious effort to to have music on and you know probably just a little bit to a detriment in that it's like oh dad why are you listening to music again but you know <laughs> just to kind of um flood the house with music mm-hmm. um and just uh, she's she's taken up the drums recently which was not not me at all you know at all but they had it's one of these things where people came into school and demonstrated all these different instruments and said well what would you 
would anybody like any lessons? And she's like, yeah, I want to learn the drums. And I can see her learning the drums because she is, you know, she's a physical kid who needs to kind of blow off steam. So I can see how smashing something appealed to her. But now I see her play the drums and she doesn't practice a single, a single minute at all at home. But when she goes for a lesson and she's just playing along to like Billie Jean, just like incredibly in time, this little eight year old (laughs) with her arm going like a, traction engine um and i'm just blown away so i i, I don't know i feel like i feel like music's important to her um mm-hmm. but also um that it's something that we can share too and and, mm. and selfishly that's really what i want <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i think it's okay to be selfish in that regard great <laughs> thanks ron yeah i i think that's a perfect way to uh to leave things thank you thank you very much for for having this chat with me um did you do you want to plug anything or um is, is there any news I, the mixtapes on hiatus but uh any news on that front it's on hiatus because marcy Dale only went and had a flipping baby um so we are on a break um you can very easily go and listen to previous episodes just search the movie mixtape on wherever you get your podcast from. And we would love that because we do do a little dance. If somebody listens to an episode <laughs> and we haven't recorded one in a few months, we're like, oh my God, somebody's still listening to this episode. <laughs> uh, so that would be wonderful. We have lots of really nice films on there. But I should say, if anybody wants to check out a specific episode of our podcast, the movie mixtape, then they should really check out our Goonie episode because that is the episode the ever-lovely, the eternally beautiful Ron off of this podcast joined us and shared with us his uh, Your Warm Blanket movie, didn't you, Ron Hercules? <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. But we do have a few little uh, irons in the fire. So we're looking at something soon, hopefully. So you can cool. follow us on Instagram at the underscore movie mixtape. That's probably the best way to to follow along with our podcast thank you ron well thank you and again thank you so much for uh being here and 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 chatting with me um i know uh i wagon i had (laughs) i uh i always have a great time uh talking with you i had a great time listening to your songs and you you. know getting to know you through them and i hope now um that uh, whoever's listening to this will listen to those songs and i hope it'll make them thank you too thank you ron for having me on to talk about stuff that's important to me and to share with with you and to kind of let me give me an opportunity to think about it as well because like i said these are not my top five songs you know that's mm-hmm. not even i picked the yeah, yeah yeah song that's not even my favorite yeah yeah, yeah song that's just <laughs> my first one that i heard that really drew me in and so to kind of pick things songs that were kind of um milestones uh, or forks in the road was really interesting and uh, and when i have looked back i think it's about connections and Uh at the beginning it was connecting with myself and trying to figure out what i was about and then it was opening myself up to to kind of connect with people around me and new people that i was meeting and and to adapt and then eventually it became about connecting with the most important people in my life and connecting with my wife and then connecting with my children and i think that's what it is and i think that's what i see music as as something um, we can share and all join in with and just seeing everybody just belting out tunes yesterday at this wedding 
and just there'd be no no shame on display whether it was come on eileen or whether it was um queens of the stone age you know everybody <laughs> was just like spelling it out and singing it and we were one we were united oh. and that's what music is i think stay with me great guy and in my opinion a great conversation uh i had fun having it hopefully that translates to the podcast we recorded this episode a few months back when dirk's podcast the movie mixtape was on a bit of a hiatus it's back now and he and marcy dale are now joined full-time by a third co-host mikey p who has been providing their artwork for some time uh, and i highly recommend you give it a listen they're some of my favorite people in fact the movie mixtape was a big inspiration for this podcast uh, I spent hours of my teen years making mixes for people, and there's something about sharing the music that truly means something to you that's incredibly vulnerable, and I appreciate Dirk being so open with me and, by extension, all of you. I want to thank Dirk again for chatting with me in this first episode, but also for being something of an executive producer for the show and letting me bounce ideas off of him and helping me fine-tune the format of the show. We've got some fun ideas for future episodes, so rest assured you haven't heard the last of Dirk Feelgood on The Needle Drop. I also want to thank the rest of The Needle Drop crew, Daniel Kura, who provided me with art, and Chris Havens, who's co-producing and handling the social media. You can find links for all that stuff, as well as a playlist of Dirk songs in the show notes. In the spirit of sharing, I'm going to close each episode with a song selection of my own that helps you get to know me a bit and helps me connect some music to the guest or the discussion that we had. The song that I've selected for this episode is called Alex Chilton by one of my favorite bands, The Replacements. Uh, I felt it fit considering The Replacements and Soul Asylum were contemporaries of one another, um, both coming up on the Minneapolis club circuit in the 80s. Um, Alex Chilton is a tribute to a person of the same name who was frontman for a power pop band called Big Star in the 70s. He was something of a mentor, a big brother to The Replacements, and the lyrics, particularly of the chorus, are taken from when Matt Singer Paul Westerberg met Chilton for the first time and stumbled over his words so much that all he could seem to do was mutter that he loved the songs the children wrote. I felt like it was appropriate for the first episode, both because I feel about Dirk Feelgood the way the replacements felt about Alex Chilton, and because I can't think of a better sentiment to end the inaugural episode of this podcast about music on than the lyrics, I'm in love with that song. So once again, thank you for listening. Uh, one more big, big thank you to Dirk. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I'll catch you left of the dial.
Love you. Bye.